Verse 15, look at Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 15. I'm kind of killing some time because this isn't going to be a very fun sermon. <laughs> cursed, cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord. The work of his hand, hands of the crafts, man, excuse me, work of the hands of the craftsmen, and putteth it in a secret place, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. So he's talking about there that it, you'll be cursed if you make this idol and you put it in a secret place. Now look down at verse 24. Same thing, this is all curses that are being brought on people. Verse 24, Cursed be the he that smiteth his neighbor secretly, and all the people shall say, Amen. And what I want to uh, preach on this morning is secret sins. I want to preach this morning on secret sins. This is, the most, this is the hardest thing to preach on because this is the one that everybody is hiding away is those secret sins. And a lot of sin that we try to do are secret, secret sins. A lot of sin we try to do is in secret. Look up at verse 15. Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen. It's, it's a false idol and it put it in a secret place. That's a secret idol in your heart. That's a secret idol in your heart that's worshiping something or someone other than God. Secretly in your heart. People can come to church, but secretly they're worshiping something else other than God. Now you've known if you've been at church any amount of time that you come into church, and there's times you come into church that you're not, you're not there to worship God. You've got your mind on something else, you've got your heart on something else. You've got to be real careful of that. It says with, uh, when you let someone or something else tell you what's right or wrong, Listen to me. When you let someone or something else tell you what's right or wrong, you're letting that, whatever that is, become your God. I see this in America a lot through social media where somebody will come up and they'll say, well, it's not wrong to do that, or it's not wrong to do that, or it's right for us to do this, or it's right for... And I see people's opinions swaying, and people start changing their mind. And over the last five, ten years, people are starting to, starting to allow sin that they never would have allowed 20 years ago. And the only, the only thing is, God's Word hasn't changed on that subject of sin. But their opinion has changed, and they've allowed something else to come in and take the place of God where God says... This is right, and this is wrong. And we say, amen. Just like the people say, look, the people say, amen, so be it. If God says it's right, it's right. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong, so be it. That's what amen means. But now they've got to where, well, I don't know, I, I think this is right, and I think this is wrong, and they're putting either themselves up as God, or the media up as God, or their best friend up as God, or my grandmother told me this one time, I don't care what your grandmother said, what does the Bible say? That's a secret idol that you hide off in your heart. In verse 24, you've got a secret hate. Cursed, he, cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor secretly, and all the people shall say, Amen. Listen, that secret hate, that's that you smile to their face, but you hate them in your heart. You smile to the face, but you hate them in your heart. That hits just about everybody I know. That you have that you have to be, because we're raised in a polite society, you, you run into somebody that you don't like and you hate. Hate's a strong word, Brother Keegan. Yes, it is, and there's a lot of hate in people's heart. <laughs> and you don't like them, you hate them, and you have to say, hey, how you doing, man? And you kind of give them that fake smile, you shake their hand or whatever, and in your heart, you hate them. 
And you might say, well, Brother Keegan, am I supposed to, would I be a hypocrite? Am I, uh, or do I, you want me to start trouble and just say, hey, I hate you. And I, no, here, here's what you do. Why don't you think about trying to change that hate in your heart and give them love? Instead of, instead of trying to be fake and be a hypocrite or being honest and, and starting a fight, why don't you change yourself? Do you see where I'm going with this? These are secret sins. These are secret hiding places in your heart that things that are wrong with you that you're hiding away that nobody else can see. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 29. Just a couple of pages to the right. We're going to turn through some scripture this morning. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. Secret sins. Everybody has secret sins. Secret sins. Sins that we don't want anybody else to know about. We try to hide them out. We don't want our, our loved ones to know we had this sin in our heart and we try to hide it out. But here's a scary proposition you need to realize in verse 29. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. Look, the Bible says the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of, his, of this law. God has been gracious enough to Christians to reveal some secret things He wants us to know. And uh, we get that out of Scripture about the rapture, about we were studying this morning about New Jerusalem. There's some things that God are kind of, is kind of hidden away from the world that the, the Christian gets to know by studying the words. And there's secret things to the world. The world doesn't understand them. But to us, they're revealed to us and revealed to our children, to reveal to our loved ones that are saved. We thank God for that. But the point about verse 29 I'm trying to make is the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. Nothing is secret to the Lord our God. There's no secrets to God. We live in a society of secrets. And you live, you live a lifestyle of, secret, of being secret. And I don't blame you because you get judged. But you have these sins in your heart, you have these sins, and you're trying to hide them out because you don't want people to know about them. And they're embarrassing, they're shameful. But the, the, the problem is that you, you can hide them out, and you can, it can make you feel good, and you can make yourself feel like you're really living a clean Christian life when you're not. God's not God knows about these secret things. God keeps secrets from you, but you're not going to keep any secrets from God. And we know that. If somebody passes away, sometimes at a young age, we question God. Why did God do that? What's well, a secret? I don't know. I have people ask me, why does God do this in my life? Why is God doing this to me? I don't know, man. I, I wish I could tell you. God hadn't, God hadn't told me. Hey, evidently, He's not telling you. I wish I could tell you. It's a secret. God can keep secrets. But we can't keep secrets from our Lord God. There's just no way. Now, turn to Psalms 44. We got that established. Turn to Psalms 44. So we establish that you have secrets in your heart. There you, you, you got these secret sins. And let's turn to uh, Psalms chapter 44, verse 21. Psalms chapter 44, verse 21. We're going to be in Psalms for a little bit now. I'm preaching on secret sins. Those sins you don't want anybody to know about. Psalms 44, verse 21, the psalmist says, Shall not God search this out? Now what it is is found in verse 20. Look at verse 20. If we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God, that's worshiping something other than God. And see, we think, uh, 
Just like I was talking about idols, a secret idol in your heart. We think of an idol and we think of some a wooden structure that's shaped in some kind of godlike shape, be it a man or a woman. And we think of, uh, of heathens over in Africa falling down and worshiping this piece of wood. But that's not what God's talking about to Christians. To Christians, you can put all kinds of things in your heart as an idol that you're worshiping. Be it your job, be it your wife, be it your husband, be it your, uh, maybe it's your church. People worship uh, Repu the Republican uh, Party. People worship all kinds of things. I see it in people's hearts. And it says, uh, if we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God, verse 21, shall not God search this out? Yeah, he's going to search it out. For he knoweth, look, the secrets of the heart. God knows all our secret desires. God knows those secret desires that you have in your heart that you're maybe hiding from your husband or your wife or your pastor or your loved ones. God knows all about those secret desires. And I'm, not, I'm talking about secret desires that are sinful. That are sinful. Secret desires that no one else has a clue about. Uh, it amazes me when you see a guy that's uh, murdered and uh, maybe murdered and did some heinous crime. They talked to the neighbors and the neighbors said, he was a good old boy. Man, I, I, I could have never imagined. He's the last person I would have thought would have done that. That guy had a secret desire in his heart that nobody knew about. And he was good at hiding it. And this starts at a very, very young age. As little toddlers, we start learning how to be secretive to where we can hide things from mom, hide things from dad, hide things from our friends, hide things from our siblings, things we think, things we, the desires we have. And, we, and when the society allows us, then that stuff starts bubbling out. But these are sins. And maybe nobody else knows about these secret desires, these secret sins in our heart, but the Lord God, He knoweth them. Amen. For He knoweth the secrets of the heart. I'm trying to hammer home first thing this morning is that you don't have any secrets, brothers and sisters. I don't care about your secrets. I don't care one bit. But I know somebody who does, and that's the Lord God. He cares about those secret sins. Now look at uh, Psalms 90. Turn to, the, turn to Psalms uh, chapter 90. The Lord cares about these secrets. And we're going to get into this why He cares so much. Psalms chapter 90, verse 8. Psalms 90, verse 8. The Lord God says that the, it's a psalm of Moses. Psalms chapter 90, verse 8. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee. God set them all out before him. Our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. God knows all your secret desires. God knows all your secret sins. You're not, you haven't gotten away with it. And just because the law hasn't caught you, or your husband or wife hasn't caught you, or your good friends hasn't seen you doing it, that doesn't mean that the Lord God's not watching each one of them. Now, this goes back to Christian growth. And I'm preaching this sermon, I'm preaching this sermon mainly at Christians. Because uh, lost man or woman, half the time they don't even know they're sinners. And uh, they're, they're living in sin like a pig wall around in slop. And they think that's how you should live. They think that's how you should live. They, they'll wallow in swap, slop, looking in mud and filth and nastiness. And they're a sloppy, nasty hog. And they're trying to tell you how clean they are. 
And as a Christian, when you get around Jesus Christ and you get the precious blood of Jesus Christ put on you and the Holy Spirit comes in and starts living on you, you start seeing it for what it is. You become a sheep that doesn't like to live in slop. When a pig falls, falls down into mud, into a mud pit, the pig wallers around and make it, makes itself at home. When a sheep falls down into a mud pit, the sheep cries out for his master, rah, rah, hoping the master will come pull it out of the mud. That's the difference between a lost man or woman and the difference between a saved Christian. So when I preach this sermon, I'm preaching to you Christians that we're trying to do what's right in the Lord, trying to take care of the sin that's in our life because we know as Christians we have a dual nature. We have a sinful nature. This body's still full of sin, but we have that spiritual nature of the born-again seed that's in us. That's that new man that Jesus Christ has made in us, and we're trying to help him live out, Jesus Christ live out of us because the sinful nature's fighting that. And so it's a fight. So in Christian growth, a, a young Christian... They tend to try to change the outward appearance. When a, when a man or woman becomes a Christian, and they could be 80 years old and become a Christian. They're a young Christian. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't have anything to do with age. It has to do with your walk with the Lord. A young Christian, somebody's walked with the Lord a very short time. When they first become a Christian, they tend to try to take care of all the outward sins. They try to stop drinking, try to stop smoking, try to stop cussing. Those outward sins that other people can see if they were outside a church or in a church to say, that was wrong, I shouldn't be doing that. That young Christian tends to focus on those outward sins that makes them look and appear to be living a holy life. And we should take care of those. Don't get me wrong, I'm not uh, judging a young Christian, I'm just saying, you, I see this in my life, that young Christians tend to do that. They tend to try to take care of that outward appearance so people can't see that uh, will see them as living a holy life and see them as, as a Christian. They tend to do that kind of stuff. You tend to, you t they tend to try to stop the sins that other people can see. Now, a mature Christian, which is where we're trying to get, amen, we're trying to reach maturity. I'm not saying a perfect Christian that we don't sin, but I'm trying to say a mature Christian. Now, a mature Christian, they, we learn to live. Now, listen, as a mature Christian, we learn to live knowing, we learn to live knowing that God sees our inner secret sins of our heart. That starts changing your life, brother and sister. When you start thinking, okay, God can see those little things that my wife can't see, that my friends can't see. He not only sees me doing those things in the dark where I don't want anybody to see, but he sees what's going on on the inside of me with my thought process. Those inner sins. A young Christian, a young Christian tends to work out the outward sins Mostly ignoring the inward sins. A young Christian tends to work on the outward sins, and they tend to mostly ignore these inward sins. What's the inward sin? Envy, jealousy, hate, covetous. This stuff that sometimes doesn't manifest itself out where you can see it as a sin. It manifests itself out inwardly. It's a secret sin. Those secret desires. Jesus Christ talked to the uh, Pharisees about this. He said, you, 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 you say thou shalt not commit adultery. And a lot of them would say, I've never cheated on my wife. Jesus Christ said, but if a man lusts after, after a woman in his heart, he's committed adultery with her already. That's a secret sin Jesus Christ is pointing out to them. See, you, you're walking around and you have these secret desires that you want to do this and do that. And God knows about those. 
And even though you're not able to commit that secret desire, sin that you want to commit, in God's eyes, you might as well have been committing it. Is that heinous to God? And a young Christian tends to work on the outward sins, mostly ignoring the inward. Now, a mature Christian, that's what we're trying to get, right? Amen, brother. That's what we're trying to get. We're trying to get to be a mature Christian. A mature Christian, he works on the inward secret sins, and then it manifests itself outwardly. As you mature in Jesus Christ, you start realizing, I need to stop being envious. I need to stop being jealous. I need to be, stop having a heart full of hate. These things are not stuff that even sometimes your husband or wife can see who's around you all the time. These are things that only you and God are dealing with with each other. And brothers and sisters, if you will work on this stuff, you will be a happier Christian. Because a lot of times your unhappiness comes from the Holy Spirit's not going to bless you. The Holy Spirit's not going to be happy because you might be living an outward, clean, holy life. Outwardly, it looks like you're clean. You're going to church. You're reading your Bible. You're not smoking. You're not drinking. You're not cussing. All these things. But inwardly, inwardly, you're full of sin. And you're hiding these secret sins. Jesus Christ got on to the Pharisees again about this. He said, uh, on that, you're, like, you're like whited sepulchers. Jesus Christ said, whited sepulchers. That's a whited tomb, a whited grave. He said, you're like a whited sepulcher because on the outside you look very beautiful, but on the inside you're full of dead man's bones. That's a warning to Christians that on the outside you can look very holy, you can look very blessed, you can look like you're living a very clean, holy life, but on the inside you can be full of nastiness and vileness and sin. And that's why I'm preaching on this. These secret sins. Listen. These inward secret sins, they're ten times harder to get rid of. They're ten times harder to get rid of. They're so rooted deep down in your heart, down in your soul. And they're so hard to get rid of because no one can see them. Since no one can see them, right? Why should I deal with it? Because my wife can't see it. Uh, my loved ones can't see it. My church can't see it. My coworkers can't see it. Why should I deal with it? Why should... It's the most rooted, deep, hard thing to get rid of. But God can see it. That's what I'm trying to get home this morning. Is I know you can't, I know that your loved ones can't see it. I know that it's sometimes not manifesting itself out. But these secret sins, God sees them. And we need to recognize that. If I was to open your ears to the smell of sin this morning. What if God was to come down and say, okay, for just an hour, I'm going to let everybody smell what sin smells like. And there's some of us sitting in this church that look clean, that we, we assume we're living a holy life, and we, we look like pig pen off of peanuts. We just had this big cloud of smoke around us, and everybody be holding their nose. We'd have to open the windows, wouldn't we? If sin had a stink, we'd have to open up the windows. And I'm talking to people at church. Inward secret sins are ten times harder to cleanse. They're not only, not only ten times harder to spot, they're ten times harder to cleanse because they're hidden from everybody and everyone. They're hard to cleanse because, like I said, you don't want to get rid of them because why do you want to deal with it? Nobody else is having dealing with the issue. If somebody is a, has an hour sin of drinking, 
That will affect their home life. That will affect their work life. And that will cause people that love them to come up to them and say, you need to do something and clean up your life and stop doing this sin. It's causing you a problem. You can't keep a job. You can't keep your loved ones happy. You're driving drunk. Whatever it is, you're beating your wife. You need to stop it. But this inward sin doesn't manifest out like that. These secret sins don't manifest out themselves like that. Envy and jealousy and hate and all those things that you can hide really easy. They're rooted deep in your heart. And they're ten times harder to clean because they're hidden from everyone, including sometimes yourself. Sometimes these hidden sins are so rooted deep in you that you can't even see it yourself. Uh, we see this in other people. We can't see it in ourselves. Amen. I, I know a guy that he's, he's a good Christian. Loves the Lord. He has more pride than I could ever dream of somebody ever having. He's as prideful as a man as I've ever seen. And, I, and it just emanates from him. And I'm talking about pride in a sinful sense. And it's so easy to see that in somebody else. But they don't see it. If they seen it, if they seen what I could see from the outside, spiritually speaking, they would try to do something to straighten that out. Because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You know what that makes me think? What do I have on me that y'all can see that says, he needs to clean that up? <laughs> amen. But don't come talk to me after church. I don't want to know it. Right, amen? I don't, I don't want to know. I, no, I, honestly, there's things I need to clean up in my life and the secret sins sometimes are so down, deep, rooted in you, in that wicked heart you have in you, that you don't even know they're in there. And it's so hard to get rid of this stuff. Well, there's a solution. I'm not going to give you all the bad news without giving you a solution this morning, praise the Lord. <laughs> because this stuff's been pretty, pretty hard hitting, hasn't it? Psalms 19. Turn to Psalm 19. Let's look at the solution to this. The solution to this secret sins. Psalms 119, verse 12. Psalms chapter 119, verse 12. Let's look at the solution to this. It's, God's solution is always simple. It's always a simple solution, but it's not always the one we want to follow. But it's a very simple solution. But look at Psalms chapter 19, verse 12. And he's talking about the words of God. Look at verse... Uh, Verse 9, let's get the context of verse 12. Look at Psalm chapter 19, verse 9, get the context. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Talking about God's words. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Talking about the words of God. Moreover, by them, by the words of God, is thy servant warned. Warned. Third time. Warned. You're warned. Warning, warning. And in keeping of them, there's great reward. If you'll keep God's words, you'll get a great reward. Those are promises, guys. I promise you. Because I've seen it work in Christians' lives. If you'll keep God's words, God will keep you. Verse 12, though. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. First thing that verse says in verse 12 is, Who can understand his errors? You can't understand why you're doing what you're doing. You can't understand why you're sinning the way you're sinning. You can't understand why your heart works the way it works. No, there, we know everybody's created differently. 
We're all unique in the Lord God. We're, like, we're as unique as a thumbprint. Our thumbprint's unique in this world. So is your soul, your heart. I, you don't know how you were raised. What, what shaped you? What shaped you in the iniquity? Was it an uncle? Was it an aunt? Was it, a, uh, was it another friend? Was it a magazine? Was it TV? Was it a t- music? Was it, what shaped you to have that sin that maybe I don't have? That you have, that you're dealing with? Something shaped you. And you can spend a lifetime trying to figure out what it was, and you'll never figure it out. So when I'm trying to tell you, first thing right off the bat, it says, who can understand his errors? Let me give you some advice. Stop trying to figure yourself out. Stop trying to figure yourself out. That's humanistic thinking. If I could just figure out what's causing this in me, then I can straight... That's what the psychologists do. If I can just figure this out, Listen, just take it for granted you're wicked, amen. amen. And take it, the second thing you need to realize is, I need to clean up. Amen. I'm dirty, I'm sinful, it's secret sins, it's a wicked thing in my heart. I don't know what's caused it, where I got it from, if I inherited it, if granny, grandpa, mom, dad, if, I, if maybe I'm just unique and I just have this in my heart. But it's a sin, Lord. It's a secret desire. It's a secret sin. My husband, my wife, my loved ones, they don't know about it. I need to clean it up, Father. I don't, want to, I don't even want to figure, try to figure it out. You spend a lifetime trying to figure it out. So how do you figure it out? Here's the solution. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. The solution is a simple solution. You just need to pray and ask Jesus Christ to cleanse you of that sin. It's a secret salute. It's a secret, I mean, it's a simple solution. It's just to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to clean you from your secret sins and faults. What I'm trying to tell you is you don't have to confess your secret sins to your preacher or to your husband or your wife or your loved ones or a friend. You don't need to do that. You need to confess your secret sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to confess that sin. Now recognize it. See, I told you already this morning that you won't recognize it. You don't want to recognize it. Why should I deal with it? My, my, my wife don't know. My husband don't know. Uh, you know, my loved ones, it's not, it's not manifesting itself out. It's just kind of hidden down in there. But the problem is, is that God knows. And God's not happy with it. And he's going to judge you on it. You need to confess to the Lord and ask him to cleanse you. You might be dealing with a secret sin of envy. You might be envious of another brother or sister. And brother or sister, what you need to do is just get down on your knees and when you're praying, say, Lord, I know I'm, I'm very envious of so-and-so, and Lord, I know that's not right. I know it's deep in my heart. Nobody knows about it, Father, just me and you, but I know you don't want me to have this. Please cleanse me. Wash me in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Give me the strength to overcome this sin. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. See how simple that was? But do it with, do it with, a, do it with a real heart. Do it meaning it. And see if the Lord don't help you. If that thing, that thing pops up again, throw some more weed killer on it. Throw some more weed killer on it. Pray the Lord and say, Lord, cleanse me. Spray some weed killer on it. It's starting to get rooted in my heart again. Jealousy. Hate. I'm starting to worship things, Lord. I'm starting to put, my, put the authority in my, of, of my life on something else other than your words and you. My authority is starting to come from the government. My authority is starting to come from the media. My authority is starting to come from Facebook or Twitter or whatever. My authority is starting to come from somewhere else other than you, Father. And I want my authority only to come from you because you're my God. 
And you've shown me that you're right and everybody else is wrong. Cleanse me. Cleanse me from my secret faults. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Why does God have to cleanse you? Because, and we know this to be true as a Christian, because, let me remind you, you can't cleanse yourself. You can't do it. That's humanism. You're going to rely on yourself. I'll just, I'll just uh, fix this sin in my heart and I'll stop envying. It don't work. And if you live a Christian life for any length of time, you realize, I've tried it. I tried to clean myself up. I tried to stop doing this. And I tried to stop doing this. And I've had people come up to me and say, Brother Keegan, I have this sin. I just can't stop doing it. Well, stop trying. That sounds like an oxymoron, right? Well, stop trying to stop. Ask Jesus Christ to cleanse you. Let Him work for you, work through you. See how you're letting Jesus Christ? Well, then who gets the glory? It isn't Keegan who stopped this sin. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who through me cleansed me. Gets all the glory. Jesus Christ gets all the glory out of that. But let me say something in closing. And I'm going to show you a few more verses in closing. Don't fool yourself. Brothers and sisters, don't fool yourself. God will judge these secret sins. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12. God's going to judge your secret sins. I don't know about them. Your spouse don't know about them. Your best friend don't know about them. But God does. And you're going to pay for them. You're going to answer for them. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. You will answer for your secret sins. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. That's a scary verse. Be sure your sin will find you out. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. Don't fool yourself. God's going to judge you. Judge your secret sins. Verse 14. And this is the, now notice here. Because verse 13 and 14, this is the last words that Solomon wrote. Solomon is considered the wisest man to walk on this earth outside of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The wisest man. And these are the last words written down by the wisest man at the end of his life. Verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Solomon says, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. There it is, wrapped up. Fear God. Keep His commandments, follow His commandments, His words. That's your whole duty. Now look at verse 14. Here's the warning. The last words are a warning. For God shall bring every work into judgment. See that word every? You know what that means in the Hebrew? <laughs> that means every. You don't need the Hebrew. You got it right there. Every work into judgment. Notice, with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil. Amen. I won't go so far as to say this morning, if you're doing anything secret, the only thing secret you should be doing is handing money out or helping somebody. Do those things in secret. Don't let the right hand know what the left hand, don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. Jesus said. You do those things in secret. You, 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 you pay your alms in secret. In other words, you don't brag, hey, I'm giving this money to the Lord or I'm helping this person out. Or You just do it and you try to do it secretly because God, the, Jesus Christ said, will reward you openly. That's the only thing you should be doing in secret. Not sin, but good works. That's a total opposite of what you would think. But every work, every secret thing will be judged. Look at Romans chapter 2. I'm going to show you. That. That's the Old Testament. Now let's go to the New Testament. What does the New Testament say on this matter? It says a lot, actually. Romans chapter 2. 
What does the New Testament say? We've got to doctrinally get this stuff straightened out. We know in the Old Testament God's judging everybody, and God's told us He's going to judge secret sins, but what, is, uh, what does the New Testament say? Pauline doctrine. Romans chapter 2, verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Brother and sister, there is no doubt that your secret sins will be judged. And you want to get those things, all those secret sins, you want to get as many of them, if not all of them, cleansed and put them under the precious blood of Jesus Christ before you hit the judgment seat of Christ. Because Christian, you're going to be judged by Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. This isn't the great white throne judgment where if you're going to hell, or to decide if you're going to heaven or hell. That's already been decided at the cross when you receive Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches this judgment in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is for your works. And you're going to be brought before Jesus Christ and all those secret sins that you have hidden away in your heart like, they're in, like skeletons in a the closet, they're all going to come up. Unless you can ask Jesus Christ to cleanse you and wash you of all those secret sins. It's so easy for a Christian who lives in this world so full of sin. This world is so sinful. And we try our best ability to live a clean, holy life. It's so easy to get caught in the trap of having secret sins that you can waller around in and you can live in, but nobody outside you knows about them. It's too easy because your sinful nature allows you to do that. The devil's okay with that. Okay, I'll let you, you can go to church and you can stop doing this and you can stop doing that, but you, you got to keep that close to you, that secret sin, you know. It's like a pet and you got to keep it close to you and we nourish it and we take care of it and the whole time God's hating that. He wants you to cleanse that out. The Bible says it's like a dog returning to his vomit when a Christian does that. God takes that very seriously. There is no doubt God's going to judge you. Ask Jesus Christ to cleanse you, put it under the blood before you reach the judgment seat of Christ. Now, Christians, after this sermon, there's something you need to start doing. And you might already be trying to do this, and I encourage you to try to do this. You need to, from the start of this Sunday, to the rest of your Christian life, start trying and striving you need to strive to uproot those secret sins that are hidden down in your heart. Because I'm trying to warn you, and the Bible's warning you, they will come to light. And just because you've got these other sins took care of, and you're, you're doing a pretty good job of not sinning in certain ways, those secret sins are ten times worse and sometimes ten times harder to get rid of. And you need to start striving to uproot them. And that's a personal striving. Your husband or wife doesn't know about it. Your preacher, your pastor doesn't know about it. That's something between you and Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to tell you, come up here and confess me all your secret sins. No, I'm trying to tell you to come down here and confess all your secret sins to Jesus Christ. That's who will cleanse you. That's who will wash you. I'm just encouraging you to do what the Bible encourages you to do. Cleanse me, cleanse thou me from my secret faults. And it's done by Jesus Christ. You need to start striving to uproot those secret sins in your heart. Why? Why, Brother Keegan? Because you'll become a better Christian. Why should I start striving? From this day forward, if you'll strive to get rid of these secret sins in your heart, you'll become, number one, you'll become a better Christian. 
That'll be a blessing to your church, a bigger blessing to your family. What a blessing it is to have a wife as a Christian. Oh, praise the Lord. I praise the Lord for that. What a blessing it is to have friends that are Christians. Good Christians. Not nominal Christians that just say they're Christians but don't live a life. I'm talking about good Christian people that try to do the Christian thing. What a blessing. You strive because it'll make you a better Christian. Number two, you strive because you'll become, listen to me, a happier Christian. A happier Christian. And that's for yourself. You become a happier Christian for yourself. Getting rid of these secret sins will make you a happier Christian for yourself. I've seen it a hundred times. Somebody come into church, you can see it all over the face, something's bothering them. What's wrong with you? Nothing. You're okay? You feeling okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I, I feel okay. I, I'm, I'm. Are you sick? No, I'm not sick. A secret sin is dwelling in their heart. And it's bothering them. And God's convicting them. And they're not doing anything about it. They want to pet it. They want to grow it. They want to keep it in there. They like it. But God's not going to let you live that way as a Christian. And He's going to make you miserable. But if you'll t stop, take the time to confess that sin, ask Jesus Christ to cleanse you and wash you and pull that sin out, you're going to get up you're going to be a happier Christian. And we're not talking about any outward appearance is going to change. You're not going to change anything outward that you've been doing different. But inwardly, where the Holy Spirit lives, you will be a happier Christian. And I'm telling you, it'll show up in your face. You'll become a happier Christian for yourself. Listen, you might be fooling your loved ones, and a lot of us do, but you're not fooling God. With these secret sins, you might be fooling your loved ones, but you're not fooling God. You're only fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. You've convinced yourself that you're not going to answer for them. And I'm here to tell you this morning, and it's some bad news. You will answer for them. But I'm going to give you some good news, too. You don't have to. If you'll put it under the blood of Jesus Christ, confess them, ask Him to forgive you, and then say, Lord, I can't stop, doing, I can't stop being envious. Pull this sin out of my heart, Father. I'm weak. I need your strength. Give me the grace to bear it. Start living it for me. Deal with, uh, if, you, if, if you're any kind of young man, you have to deal with women, the way women dress and the way women walk around. There's times I have to pray, Lord, because I don't want this stuff to get in my heart. I say, Lord, let me see women like you see them. Don't let me see women the way they want me to see them or the way they try to present themselves or the way the world wants me to see them as some sexual object. Lord, let me see women like you want to see them. I don't want that secret sin to get in my heart that Jesus warned the Pharisees about where you start lusting. and I don't want that because that kills my Christian walk and it kills my spirit and it kills that relationship between me and the Lord Jesus Christ. And boy, when he leaves and he's not, he doesn't, you don't have that relationship, boy, you know it. You want to taste it again. You're like, Lord, I'm dry. I need you, Lord. And he'll speak to your heart. You need to clean this up. So you start working on it, and you'll become a happier Christian. Let me show you one more verse, 2 Samuel chapter 12, way back in the Bible. Let me show you one example, and then we'll go home. I'm on 2 Samuel chapter 12, 
This is an example of God judging a man's secret sins. I've told you that he's going to do it. Now let me show you an example of him doing it. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7. Now this uh, is David. He took a man's wife and he slept with her. When he slept with this man's wife, he committed adultery. He got her pregnant. So he calls a man, and the man won't go sleep with his wife. He's trying everything he can to get this guy to go lay with his wife. The man won't do it. Uriah the Hittite. So he kills him. He committed adultery, and then he committed murder. And he hides that away secretly. It's a secret thing. Nobody in the kingdom knows about it. Nobody really knows what's going on. You know, it's a king. He does what he wants to do. But God's not going to allow this to happen. Verse 7, And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. In other words, you're the one that done this, David. Thus saith the Lord God, listen, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Look what God says to David. I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house, and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. You know what God's telling David? David, I've blessed you, and blessed you, and blessed you, and if that wouldn't have been enough, I'd have found another way to bless you. Why'd you do that? It kind of convicts you, don't it? When you look at how good God has been to us, through salvation in Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, through the teachings of the words of God, through our health, and just through our countenance, and through our joy of knowing heaven's waiting on us, and that if we, we go up to the door of death, that Jesus is going to meet us there and carry us on the other side of the river. When we have all this joy and happiness, thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ, God's question to you is, then why are you doing this? I, I, I've blessed you and blessed you and blessed you, and if that wouldn't have been enough, I'd have blessed you more. It convicts you. Well, he's not done. Verse 9. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord? You're sinning. To do evil in his sight. Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. When you're doing sin, you're, you're doing sin against the Lord God. It's not sin against your husband or your wife or your love. Really, sin that you're answering for is sin to God. You're despising Him. You're going against Him. It's His laws, right? That's what He's making. You've despised me. Now look at verse 11. We're closing up. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. And it happened. And I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the son, of this son. It happened. Just like God said it would. But look at verse 12. This is one I want to point out to you. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. You might be committing this secret sin and nobody knows about it, and nobody might ever know about it. But one day, God's going to open it up for everybody to see. For thou didst secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the Son. Everybody in the world is going to know it. Take care of your secret sins before God does. God's judgment isn't in secret. God's judgment's in the open. 
The great white throne judgment is a great example of that, where heaven and earth pass away and man stands naked before God in front of everybody in the whole universe. That's a scary proposition for a lost man or woman. The judgment seat of Christ is going to take place, and we're going to stand before Jesus Christ in front of all our brothers and sisters in Christ, and he's going to judge us openly. He's not going to take us in a little bitty room and we're going to be there being judged by him. We're going to be judged before our loved ones in front of Jesus Christ. God doesn't do anything in secret like that. He does it openly. Take care of your secret sins before God takes care of you. That's a, that's a scary thought. David had to learn that the hard way. He thought he did all that stuff in secret, trying to sneak around, secretly killed Uriah when just him and a couple of guys knew about it. And God says, you know what? When I'm, by the time I'm done, everything's going to be done out in the sun. You did this in secret, but I'm going to do it out in the open. Guys, I can't encourage you enough this morning. I'm not trying to ruin your Sunday morning, but you need to take care of your secret sins before God takes care of them for you. And it's a, it's a blessing to take care of them. You'll become a better Christian. And importantly for you, you'll become a happier Christian. When I started taking, when I stopped becoming a young Christian that cared about the outward appearance and didn't really fool with the inward, inward sins, when I stopped becoming a young Christian and grew into being and matured into a mature Christian and started realizing the sin I'm dealing with is not on the outside, it's on the inside. Because what happens when you work on the inside and get rid of these strive, you strive to get rid of these sins on the inside, the outward takes care of itself. All the other stuff takes care of itself, but you've got to work on the inward. You work inward out. You don't work out in. You, work on, you let Jesus Christ come in let him work out. You'll be a happier Christian. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your words, Lord God. And Father, I just thank you for the warning that we have about our secret sins that there's coming today, Lord, and we're going to have to answer for them. Father, if there's somebody beneath the sound of my voice that's dealing with some secret sins, Father, and deep down in their heart, Lord God, rooted in deep, some of these have been in our hearts for decades. Father, I just pray, Lord God, through your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that you would come in. And if they beg you to ask, if they beg for cleansing, Lord God, I pray that you cleanse them. Pluck that out, Lord. Cover them in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Father. Give us the strength, your strength, to take care of that sin, Lord God, and overcome it. And Father, we thank you, Father, that you give us the opportunity to overcome them, Lord. We thank you for the power, the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to overcome this sin, Lord. We're not under bondage. We're servants of righteousness, Father, and we readily agree with your word about that, Father. Now, Lord, if there's somebody beneath the sound of my voice that has never been saved, that's never received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, as we get ready to give the invitation, Father, I just pray they'll come on down the aisle and get saved. So they can start this new Christian life, Lord God, and start dealing with some of this stuff they've been dealing with deep in their heart. They don't want nobody to know about, Lord, but we acknowledge that you know everything, and you know even our secret sins. Lord, cleanse us from our secret faults. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at indiangapbaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. 
and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him